how to distinguish true zero trust from imposters, and the ransomware trends worth paying attention to now. These stories and more on this week's ISMG Security Report. Hello, I'm Anna Delaney. There's a lot of confusion in the market around what constitutes zero trust architecture. And with so many vendors pushing zero trust solutions, what questions should customers be asking to them to evaluate the efficacy of their offerings? Well, that's a question Michael Novenson, Managing Editor for ISMG Business, asked Zscaler founder, chairman and CEO Jay Chowdhury at RSA conference last month. Here's Chowdhury. It is unfortunate that when a new technology becomes popular, every legacy vendor that's worried about getting disrupted, they embrace it. Zero Trust Architects was created to really move away from legacy firewall and VPN-based architecture. Unfortunately, every firewall and every VPN company is calling themselves Zero Trust, and some of them call themselves Zero Trust 2.0 and Zero Trust 3.0. So here is a foundational stuff. In Zero Trust architecture, you don't connect users to the network, but to applications. That's number one question to ask. If you connect to application, not the network, there's no lateral threat movement. That means bad guys can't get on the network and find all kinds of stuff. Number two is, are your applications hidden behind uh, the Zero Trust architecture? So they can't be seen from the internet. If they can't be seen, they cannot be discovered, they cannot be attacked. This is the opposite of firewall and VPN-centric architecture. It depends upon identity as the starting point and a policy engine, which is like a switchboard, which connects the right user to right applications. It's a fairly straightforward architecture, but it has to be built from a clean slate. It's almost like there were traditional internal combustion engine cars. They got better and better and better, but more complex, more complex, more complex. Then Tesla came with an electric engine, very simple, very powerful. It is a change of architecture. In the same way, security network architecture is changing from routable network to zero trust, where you trust no one. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. Ransomware remains one of the biggest threats facing security leaders and organizations in 2022, and the criminals keep evolving their tactics. On a recent episode of ISMG's Proof of Concept, attorney Lisa Soto of Hunt and Andrews Curve LLP shared the ransomware trends that businesses should be paying attention to now. Well, it was a slow start to the year for the ransomware actors. Um, so that was a, a little bit of a surprise, but they are back in full force. Um, there is there is no stopping that train. There are now reportedly more than 60 ransomware uh, collectives, and they are wreaking havoc, as they always have done. We're seeing some bigger demands. Um, the demands used to be, you know, one to five million. Now we're seeing some that are that are truly moonshot demands, 10 million um, and up, and sometimes much, much higher than that. Uh, and they're not negotiating down quite as much as they used to. They they, uh, they used to be able to, to negotiate very significant discounts. Not so much anymore. There seems to be a little bit less willingness um, to do that. I'll also just note another uh, really disturbing trend. The, the threat actors are now contacting third parties. So they're not only contacting the company uh, that has been 
hit, but they're also looking through the data and finding customers or business partners or service providers whose data is in the mix, and they're contacting them. And of course, that increases the leverage um, that they have and and, um, forces the hand of the ransomed party to go ahead and pay. And I'll also note on the other side of the scale, we now have a very active federal government um, with respect to ransomware. So we saw the passage of the uh, Strengthening American Cybersecurity Act, which requires will require for critical infrastructure, not quite in place yet, but will require a 72-hour notice uh, obligation when an attack has occurred. And then when you pay ransom, you need to notify within 24 hours of doing so. We now have 24-hour reporting obligations for pipelines, for surface transportation, and we have a proposed SEC rule that would require notice within four business days to the world. It's a disclosure obligation. And finally, Managing Editor of Security and Technology, Jeremy Kirk, has just released another fantastic episode of the Ransomware Files, which centers around the 2019 ransomware attack, which struck global currency exchange and remittance company TravelX. The story tells of how social media, a frantic incident response, and stress contributed to a nearly tragic health outcome. Here's a taster of the podcast. Ransomware struck global currency exchange company TravelX on New Year's Eve 2019. Security architect Don Gibson was DJing at a friend's place when the first alerts came in. We really started noticing it uh, in the evening. Don's name became publicly linked with the TravelX ransomware incident and the attention was completely undesired. I personally go through so much because all of a sudden there's a name to this and it's my name, which means I'm getting doorstepped by press. And I don't need that on top of this. I'm already in a really bad place because the company I'm working for is in trouble and I'm trying to fix it. TravelX was infected with the R-Evil ransomware, which was created by one of the most prolific and profitable ransomware gangs. The attack had a vast effect on TravelX, which combined with the COVID-19 pandemic's effects, went into administration later that year. At least 1,300 people in the UK even ended up losing their jobs. The company, however, is still around today after it completed a restructuring. For Don, that night started a turbulent period that lasted throughout the rest of the year. His story is one of how social media, a frantic incident response, and stress contributed to a nearly tragic health outcome. He went from IR, or incident response, to the ER, the hospital's emergency room. Basically, my heart started messing around. The TravelX experience has left a lasting impression on him. He speaks at conferences about the importance of taking mental and physical health into account, not only for CISOs, but for anyone on a security team. Don himself is neurodiverse, and everyone has different thresholds for stress. It's a tough place to be. Tell you what. When the brown stuff's hitting the revolving object, it's a lonely place to be. You have people in ivory towers throwing muck or whatever else, trying to liaise between NCSC, the police, incident response teams, your board, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot going on. And health very quickly slips to the bottom of that list. You're running on adrenaline. And yeah. Adrenaline will only take you so far. There's much more to this story in episode eight of the Ransomware Files podcast. You can check it out on Apple, Spotify, and other podcasting platforms, as well as on ISMG's websites. 
For Information Security Media Group, I'm Jeremy Kirk. That's it from the ISMG Security Report. The music is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Anna Delaney. Until next time. Thank you.